If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Hey everyone, Susanna here, and I'm here with Dr. Kevin. And I hope at this point you've had a chance to listen to the video recording on ministry identity and take some time to go through the homework assignment, which was processing a time in your life that you felt the call of God into vocational church ministry. And today we're going to spend some time unpacking that last video that you watched and really thinking through the topics of vocation and then what it looks like to have that Levitical priesthood call into ministry. And so Kevin, do you want to do a quick little summary of what that video was about just to catch people up, refresh their memory? Yeah, I'd be glad to, Susanna. Thanks so much. Yeah, you remember we talked a little bit about the nature of God's call in everyone's life to discipleship, but not everybody may respond to that. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. not everybody in the world accepts Christ and becomes a disciple of Jesus. And then among those, there's that deeper calling that we talk about, uh, like when Jesus sent them out two by two, and some of them came back and said, this is just too hard for us, that call to devoted servanthood and whatever <laughs> vocation we might be in, whatever career, whatever job, there's this deep, deep identity response to servanthood. And then there is that, what I called in that session, the Levitical call, where you kind of uh, disavow yourself of all entanglements that are going to hold you in place or time or substance, and you make yourself completely available to the work of God wherever God sends you. And that was kind of like Levi, who didn't have any land. And uh, that's often what we identify with when we talk about ordained ministry. Not everybody's called to that. Not everybody needs to be called to that. But when you are, or if you are, uh, that's a really deep, profound separation and identification with the work of God in the world. So there's so many things that we could unpack with this. And I think the place I want to start is... What if I'm listening to this podcast and I am working in vocational church ministry, but I'm not sure that I'm called to that Levitical priesthood? I don't know if that is too hard hitting of a question to go on, but I think it would be helpful for people who are struggling with that. Um, Do they just need to reflect on these calling moments that they've had? Is it possible to be called to Levitical priesthood for part of your life and not your entire life? Yeah, that's a really good question. I hope you have an answer for that one, Susanna. (laughs) I have some thoughts, but we can start with yours. (laughs) Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts, actually. I mean, I spent 20 minutes on the last video talking a little bit about this. And uh, I guess the short answer to your question is, is it possible to work in a church without having that kind of deep Levitical or ordained call to ordain ministry? Absolutely it is. And there are plenty of people who work in the church who do not feel as though they are called to ordination or ordained ministry at that deep, deep level. And I certainly hope that we don't create an us versus them exclusive club. I mean, there used to be that in history, and the Reformation helped us to get away from that. Uh, Nevertheless, to say that you can be in ministry of the church without necessarily being called ordained ministry should also not undermine or shortchange or in any way shallow out the profundity 
of that call to ordain ministry, because it is a very mystical, spiritual, profound uh, journey that 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 people who ultimately are deployed as pastors and ordained pastors uh, really do experience. Yeah, and I know I asked the question, but I think probably where I land is that it might be asking the wrong question. I think a lot of us ask that question, but it might be asking the wrong question. So what I mean by that is you talked in the video about the different levels of, you know, called to discipleship, called to servanthood, called to um, this vocational Levitical call. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it has to do with the posture of the heart, right? So the willingness to say yes, when God calls you to something And so for some people, they're called to ministry as vocation, like you talked about, right? So um, you're working in a bank or you're working in a school or you're working in, uh, you're, you're an architect and you're building buildings. And as you do that, you are participating in seeing the kingdom of God come to earth through your vocation. And you might do that for several years, work in a church for a couple of years, do that for several more. It's all about the posture of your heart in those cases. So then you come to the question of, am I called to vocational church ministry as a Levitical part of the Levitical priesthood or not? I think that's something that is between you and the Lord and he will guide you along that journey of discernment. But the important part, the thing that you need to answer right away is, am I willing to say yes, if that is the case? And if you have had that moment of call, then did I say yes or will I say yes, right? One thing that you said that really, really stood out to me was if you feel like you have been called to that, don't begin the negotiation process of, okay, God, I want this much salary. I want this much return. Like Jesus is your portion if you say yes to that, right? I think we can apply that same principle to the other levels as as well. So if you are called to work in a bank, you know, do you say yes to what God has called you to? I don't know if that makes sense, but those are my verbal processes. Yeah, it does. And I think you're absolutely right when you dial into the idea of a, being a posture of a heart, <clears throat> of the heart. The, what's what's unique about any call, and, and um, everyone experiences or has a call from God, not everybody responds to it. Some people are called to what I'm terming ordained ministry, which then later they are deployed as a pastor. Pastor is a function. Uh, ordination is the calling, right? And uh, God calls, but the church ordains. And that's another feature here that that when if, if you feel like God has called you to, to be a to be an ordained pastor, that's not the end of the story. I mean, without the confirmation of the church, there is no call. I mean, that's just the way the head and the body work, right? Uh, so God calls, the church ordains. So the first thing people should do if they do feel this inner nudge that maybe I am called to be to ministry, to become a pastor, to ordain ministry, talk to other people, talk to your pastor, talk to other spiritual wise counselors, and then move through a process that will confirm that in your life. We do that in every other vocational path. We do it in the church too. If you're called, if you feel called to education, well, you go through a process of confirmation. And that confirmation is through accreditation, through degree earning, through through institutional review, through faculty review, all of that stuff. Well, why should we not have the same thing in the church? There's a review process, especially because it's an organism and the head says something and the body confirms it. 
right? I mean, it's just the way the, the Christ is the head and the body in the church is the body. So God calls the church confirms through ordination. And, and it does have to do with the posture of the heart, but it is a unique calling because it is so, it, 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 it creates a disavowing of things that ordinarily we would hold to be value in this world. Because remember that we are now to be among the people and to represent the people before God, wherever that takes us. In old Methodist terms, we call that itineracy, uh, the itinerating. When I felt called into, into ministry and I was ordained, I basically said, I will go where God through the church sends me. Now, it didn't mean I lost my voice, didn't mean that I didn't go through a process of, of discernment, as you call it, which I like that word, uh, but it does mean that my uh, I am not putting roots down to the point where if if God calls, then I'm unwilling to go. Can you imagine what, what it would have been like? I mean, think about this. So God shows up and calls Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave Ur. And Abraham says, nah, no, I don't think so. My kids are in school. I got too much in my bank account. I got a business here. I'm invested in this community. I'm not going to go. I mean, really? And God didn't even tell him where he was going. So there comes a point where we have to say, when God calls, I will go anywhere. And that's what a lot of pastors experience when they answer this Levitical call. I have no property. I have no place. I will go and be God, God's grace to the people wherever he sends me. And I think what you what you um, did by using the Old Testament and the tribes of Israel and the Levites to explain this set-apart call that the Levitical priesthood has was really, really helpful. And one thing that always stood out to me from that passage was how the Lord said, I will be your portion. So, you know, the other tribes, they had portion of land, portion of different things, but for the Levitical priesthood, God was to be their portion. And, and, and the thing I keep processing with this, along with that posture of surrender is what I mentioned earlier, which is we can't then begin to negotiate with God about what that looks like. And that is such a challenging thing to chew on as a young church leader myself, knowing that there are so many things I want out of life, right? But if I want to be fully surrendered to God as well, if I've received that call, then it's not about all the negotiation, those things that can actually get really dangerous when you go down that road. And I think that's where I, what I'd like to talk about next is a lot of the people listening to this have already experienced the call of God in their life for vocational church ministry. They are listening to this, um, probably experiencing different pressures that we all do, right? About our, our finances. Um, in church, it can get really sticky and messy, and and maybe we don't have the influence that we desire, or we, we're not able to shape things the way that we want, or you know, it's it's messy, and we begin to negotiate with God. Well, I've given up everything for you. What are you going to give to me, right? So how do we process that as leaders who have experienced this vocational call to Levitical priesthood? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I, I guess I want to answer that just by telling you just a little bit about my story and my how I've experienced this, if that's okay, because yeah, of um, course. I, I had to come to grips with that fact. And, you know, um, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he emptied himself and he humbled himself. He gave up all of his rights of being God and became human. He humbled his will to that of his father. He gave up everything, right? 
Am I willing to give up any less or should I be willing to give up as much? And I remember okay. uh, a lot of time when, yeah, when I was in seminary, you know, you know, the denominational leaders had come recruiting pastors. And I remember hearing some of them, the, my colleagues, my colleagues, seminary students coming out of those interviews and how'd it go? How'd it go? I said, I'm going to wait around for a bigger salary. I'm going to wait around for a better parsonage. I'm going to wait around till I can go to Florida or Southern California or something like that. Right. Uh, negotiating with God. And, and I have difficulty with that. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I think it's endemic to that call to ordain ministry of the Levitical complete devotion to the work of God and se separation. Throughout my ministry, 42 years of ministry, there are times when people have come to me and said, Kevin, you don't make a lot of money as a pastor, or as a church leader. Well, that may be true, but it's enough. And God takes care. God, God's portion. God is my portion. And for my family, uh, my children have seen things they never could have seen before if it weren't for the ministry that we were in. So occasionally somebody comes to me and says, you know, Kevin, you ought to start a side business for additional income. And the thing that I, the thing that it brings me to is saying, am I willing to compromise my total devotion and dependence upon God through the church for the sake of a little bit of added income? And ultimately I come to the point where in my life, I have to say, I can't allow that to encumber my call. I can't allow that to become an ensnarement or an entanglement, you see. Uh, is it a bad idea? No, it's not a bad idea. But when it comes to potential threat to that complete identification with God through the church and being available to the church, that becomes problematic. So, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is a, it's a hard journey to walk because it's so tempting to want to shore up some of our 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 path as as people ordained or not but to shore up our path with security along the way and that can become an undermining to that call and i think you know you already kind of alluded to this but it can become undermining and also everybody has you know their own unique yep. journey with the lord Absolutely. and he might call somebody to be bi bivocational i think my dad but when he was a pastor, yep. painted houses on the side because he had four kids to feed, you know. Um, but there are times definitely where you're called to a great level of sacrifice for that. And the bottom line question is, do I trust God with this or am I going to feel the need to build my own kingdom on the side just in case things fall through? And that's it goes back to your earlier point that it's a posture of the heart. And it's a disposition mm -hmm. of the life. That's exactly what you're pointing to, because there are times when it is necessary. And the whole tent maker idea, the bivocational ministry is absolutely essential. It's the way to go. And we thank God for those jobs and we thank God for those opportunities. So, yes, I, I you know, God does. God does call every person. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important that that I think we talked about earlier, and that is. Um, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun here to getting ahead of you, but um, that when people uh, realize that they are called, it adds a depth and an importance to what they do, whether it's into ordained ministry or whether it's into anything else. Um, ministry can be a vocation, but everything else can be a vocation as well. The vocation can be your ministry, and you take the kingdom wherever you go. If you're a banker, 
if you're a CFO, if you are a computer engineer, whatever it is, you take the kingdom where you go into that. Uh, I often tell folks that your vocation can usually be identified as where your passion, your abilities, and your fit converge. In other words, you know, uh, I, 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 I don't fit in a chemistry lab. It's just not my my. I, I, it's just not my my nature. Um, I don't fit on a football field with a with a uniform on. I'm just I just don't fit. I may have a passion for football, you know, and I may have some level of ability, but I just don't fit there, you know. Okay, so yeah, that makes the, sense. <laughs> right. So so where those three things come together, what lights me up? What's my passion? What am I good at? You know, I can, I can, I can tell what I'm good at. I can tell what I'm not good at when things don't go well. And people say, man, that was a lousy job. I get the idea. I'm not good at that. Right. And then where I fit um, and what am I cut out for? What is my personality? How do I fit into that situation where those three things converge is usually the trailhead of my vocation. And then I keep call, I keep pulling that trail. I keep walking down that path. And, and basically the deal is this, that, vocation is a vocalization of a vocalist. That's where the word comes from, right? Vocare. It is the vocalization of a vocalist. So there's a a vocalist who is vocalizing to me. And that vocalist, you and I happen to call that vocalist God. It's not, it's not ministry, it's not nursing, it's not mathematics, it's not business, it's not education. Those things are inanimate, they don't have a voice. But a vocation comes from a vocalist, a very personal, personal being who is vocalizing to me. And basically what that vocalist is saying is, look, I made you, I know what your passion is, I know what your ability is, and I even know where you fit. So if you will just walk on this particular path, you're going to light up like a Christmas tree. You're going to flourish as a person. So just walk on this path. So my choice then becomes... Am I going to listen to that voice and follow that voice? Or am I going to, in my own selfishness, decide, you know, that doesn't pay as much money as I'd like. I'm going to go this other way. And then I don't light up like a Christmas tree and I don't flourish. And all that all that a vocation is, is a vocalist vocalizing that if we walk on a particular path, we're going to flourish in being everything that God intended for us to become. I think that's so helpful and even simplifies calling a little bit because I know vocation calling, they can get really intimidating and stressful, especially for young leaders as they're processing through, what am I called to? There's a million different options, even within ministry. Is it missions, um, international missions? Is it, you know, within the church? Is it a pastor? Is it in kids? Like there's so many different ways that you could go. And understanding that it's the intersection of where you best fit and your passions and a need in the world, it simplifies it a little bit. And for some people, not all, because like you said, some are called to that specific church ministry. Um, But for some people, there are many places where that call could manifest itself. And so for people listening, I just want to encourage you, if you're caught in the crossfire of wondering what you are called to, maybe spend some time journaling and thinking through Um, those different intersections and jot out some ideas of where you might 
be a good fit. And even yeah. within the church, if you're wondering, am I called to be the pastor of a, of a church or should I stay in youth ministry or do I want to do missions overseas or plant churches? I think those same principles kind of apply, right? There are different skill sets that show up in different parts of vocational church ministry. Yeah, that's really well observed, uh, Suzanne. I really appreciate that because that brings some very specific application to those principles. And, you know, I I use the word um, uh, vocation comes from vocati in the Latin. Same thing is true of calling. Those two words are synonymous. Calling comes from the Greek, the called ones, the the kalein, the kaleo I call. Uh, Same thing. Behind every calling, there's a caller. Behind every vocation, there's a vocalist. Very synonymous, just two different sources. And here's what's what's really important, because I, I think I find that even in ministry, uh, as well as in business and education and others, people are always asking the question whether whether what they're doing has value or worth. And, and invariably, for, for people who don't have a strong or deep bottom of the iceberg, um, it's very easy for people to assume that the value of what they do is coming from their outcome. And, and, and the premise is this. That that uh, you know, uh, Stephen Jobs invented the iPhone, changed the world. He's more valuable than Jonathan, my mm-hmm. my nearby gas station attendant. That somehow Stephen Jobs does something that's more valuable than they. Well, that's not necessarily true because we tend to equate value with outcome. That is the temporal, earthly way of doing it. Right. But if I were to say to you. You know, I got a phone call from the White House, no matter what you think of whoever's in the White House at the time, I got a phone call from the White House and the president of the United States says to me, Kevin, I want you to go over to your neighborhood McDonald's and count how many people eat Big Macs on Tuesday afternoons, (laughs) right? Most people would say that is a worthless use of your time. There's no value whatsoever in doing that, right? And I would probably think that as well. You know, who cares how many people eat Big Macs at my local McDonald's on Tuesday afternoon? Do you think I'd go do it? Well, I probably would. And you can imagine why. It's not what I'm doing. It's who called me to do it. Right. I think that metaphor translates really well. And when it comes down to it, it's not about whether the world deems our vocation successful. It's about the fact that God is the person who's called us to it. And Yeah, that's just an incredible metaphor. Thanks for sharing that. Sometimes I wonder if we really made decisions about our career paths, about our vocations based off of what we feel like God is calling us to or based off of, you know, what we feel is our vocation that's been God given. If it would be different than what we've actually chosen, (laughs) it's really, really easy for people to make decisions about their career based off of what the world deems successful. It's really, really easy for pastors to receive a quote unquote call from heaven to have a mega church when maybe they were called to steward a small amount of people in a neighborhood. And that doesn't mean that some people aren't called to have that high level of influence. But man, growing up, I got so many people praying over me, prophetic words about influence and numbers. And I always wondered, is that actually what the word is? Or am I just being encouraged to go into church ministry? You know, and it's not necessarily synonymous. God is the caller. He determines um, and also understands better than we do what the fruit of our lives 
is going to be. And it's not always measured by human metrics. So true. So true. I guess I would say there are a lot of people who say that they have been called to X, Y, or Z, including ordained ministry. Um, they And it's been it's basically bad pizza they had the night before <laughs> and it's just a gurgle in the gut. And, uh, I don't mean to undignify people, but I would say when God puts a weight on a person's life, it will be sustained. It will be profound. It will be all consuming and it will be confirmed. And that's why God never made us to operate in isolation. We, we are confirmed one with another, and we listen to the voice of God through other people. Yeah, such a good point, Kevin. And I know that there's so much more that we could unpack with this. I want to encourage you to check out the show notes for any links and to join us for the next time we'll all be together. We'll be talking about identity in crisis, which is just an extension of this conversation and definitely an important conversation to have. So until next time, everyone, thanks for joining us. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.